the disagreement is turning pretty dark. We have a divided nation. We have a very divided nation. We seem to be living in a time of utter tribalism. If it's true to you, then it's true. No, it's not. In order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. I mean, look at the conversation we're having right now. Nothing is as important as the truth of God revealed in Scripture. Welcome to Disagree With Me, a podcast dedicated to considerate conversations on taboo topics. My name is Angel Rodriguez, and I am your host. I'm sorry. As always, joined by the mysterious Mr. Caleb Powers. I, I, it just seemed like you were like tearing up or getting emotional. Like, <laughs> no, I, just, I, I just appreciate Caleb so much. And I'm just, just going <laughs> to... We're going with that. I'm just yeah. sucking in all the snot. It's, it's winter in Wisconsin or yeah. late fall or whatever. So Now it's winter. Yeah. It's already it's, winter, man. Yeah. It's snow today. <laughs> mm-hmm. cool. It's been snowing it's, a lot here in Idaho. Oh, brutal. Too it's, much. It's, it's not fun. Not fun at all. And today we're going to be planning the next American revolution on this podcast. That's right. Or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, and Dan, Dan Warsham is here to, to, uh, to do so with us. How are you doing, Dan? Good. How are you doing? Good, man. Good, good. I don't think we're going to be planning the next revolution, but we are going to be talking about basically like Romans 13 and yeah. And, and, uh, Everything that kind of stems from that. When, when, or what does it mean to submit to the government? When are we allowed to disregard government's edicts and and, and uh, what they command us to do? Um, so we're gonna have some fun. I think. I don't yeah. know how much disagreement there will be, but I, I, I think uh, we'll we'll just take it where it goes, and yeah. uh, I, I'm sure that we'll find something. That we differ on. There's, it's a pretty complicated topic to talk about these days. Yes, so yes, yes, it is, and a yes. very, ta- I think, a very taboo topic as well. Yes, yes. So that's that's why we're having this conversation. <laughs> but before we start, Dan, do you mind telling the people like a little bit about yourself, like who you are and what do you do, and and why do you why do you want to plan a revolution? For sure. Yeah. So, um, my name is Daniel Worsham. I am a worship and creative arts pastor at a church in Beatrice, Nebraska, Christ, Christ Community Church. Um, this is actually my first year in ministry. So, what a year to start ministry. <laughs> hey, start. Everything's downhill yeah. from here. Easier from here. But yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. It's like, this isn't normal that you can, there was a point in ministry where you could make plans and stick to them. That's amazing, you know? (laughs) So that, that's what I do. Um, And just been enjoying getting to know the church here and in, in the weirdest forms from having no people in the church at all and recording things all the way to having, um, we had some more freedoms here in Nebraska for a little while. Yeah. So we could actually have in-person church. And um, so that's been great. Have you been able to like meet the whole congregation yet or? Well, depends on how you define that. I, yeah. I think okay. I've met all the, most of the core congregation. I say, yeah. I say that, you know, kind of hedging a little bit because I think there's a, there's a hefty elderly population and some of which just, health-wise don't feel comfortable coming right now. So yeah. there's some that I still haven't met. Um, 
they, we used to have close to 600, I think, come on a oh, Sunday. Wow. Yeah. And, and it's only ever gotten up a little over 400, maybe 450 okay. once. So there's definitely wow. people missing. Yeah. It'll be like months down the line, you'll meet these people. And it's like, oh, well, welcome yeah. to church. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, just, just going. <laughs> just last week, I, I met someone for the first time and he had, you know, just met me and he's been a core member for years and years. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just got That's how it's going to be for a while. Yep. Yeah. I had the church we're going to has two services. And during the summer, we were doing out, outdoor services and like, so it was all one big service. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, we've been only been going there since February, so not too long, but like people going up to others and like, oh, how long have you been going to, to our church? And it's like, <laughs> well, I've been going here for years. You just go to different services. <laughs> yeah. It's like two different churches sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, for <laughs> sure. For sure. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're dealing with this, everything that's going on. I mean, the coronavirus, I, I, I hesitate to call it a pandemic, but that's what is being called but like all the sure. restrictions and and everything that's going on and that's kind of why i want to talk about this like one of the one of the passages of the bible that's been brought up many a time this past year has been romans 13 and people are saying yeah. you know as christians we have to submit to the government um i'll, I'll just read it I'll, I'll read the romans 13 passage it says let every sure. person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from god and those that exist have been instituted by god Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Basically, it goes on to say, like, rulers are, are a terror to evil conduct, like, God has put in there to bring justice, to wield the sword. Mm-hmm. And so, and then verse five goes, Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a passage of the Bible that's been brought up many a time this year, and I just want to hear from you like from your perspective like what does it mean to follow this passage to submit to the government sure yeah i think well the reason it's been talked about so much is because i I think largely the american evangelical church doesn't always have a firm agreement on on how to read it um, and, and, and to be honest, for, for a long time, I, I would read that p- passage or stumble across that passage and be like, government is a terror to good conduct and, you know, or terror to bad conduct and, and rewards good conduct. I'm like, God, that's not, has not been my experience in, yeah. in a lot of, you know, and, and I, I know, I know now that's a generational problem. You know, there has been times and over throughout generations, it goes up and down in, in how faithful leaders can be this way. But uh, there have been times where leaders, even that don't, aren't Christian, have enough fear of God or have enough of a view of morality to punish bad and reward good. Now, we've seen in, in America, just good and bad get mixed and, and confused and discombobulated and misdefined. So now that we look at our two-party system and we can easily point out rewarding of bad conduct and not a terror or, or terror to even some good conduct and on, mm-hmm. on both sides of the equation. So it's one that, you know, it's easy for Americans, I think, to stumble on right now because 
it's just not as clean in our government as to what a government I think yeah. should look like. So, no, yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Like that's, that's what's been very evident. So like, how would you describe your political views? Like, would you put, is there a specific label that you would use to describe the way you think about politics? Um, you know, I, most things are going to align me with, with a more conservative party, mm-hmm. just, just as it is. Um, but um, I'm going to always vote with my moral conscience as provided by the word of God. So if there's something within a party's framework on either side that negates where my faith is, you know, I'm not for it. Yeah. And so I think that's how we should be. We shouldn't just, you know, associate one party with Christianity, but I think it in our country right now, I think it's more clear than ever, which um, is closer to the truth, you know, yeah. and, and people will definitely disagree with me. Um, and, you know, I, I just think there are words, biblical words being used in, in one party in our country that are just being misdefined mm-hmm. um, and just mishandled. And, and so I'm pretty set in my ways politically yeah. in, in one direction, but yeah. So, so what you're saying is you did not vote for Joe Biden in this past no, I election. Did, I did okay. not vote for Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just making yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I did not four years ago vote for Trump. Yeah. And, and I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not alone there either. I think. Um, no, I didn't either. Okay, sure. Yeah. So I, I think, I think that's actually not that uncommon for, for Christians, even conservative Christians to have not voted for him. And it's because um, uh, mouths are important, you know, like words. Um, I don't think that they get to the level as actions or anywhere mm-hmm. close, but they are important. You know, it is still immoral to have an immoral mouth. Um, even if you don't hold to the immoral things that you say, you know, it, it's still wrong to say them. So yeah. I think that took the church, you know, blindsided people and they were just like, oh, I can't vote for this guy. You know, so they either went yeah. third party or didn't vote or went, went Democrat. And so, but yeah, no, I, I thought the same thing back in 2016, but like just seeing this past year, like how, yeah. Are how people in government, people in power, and I'm gonna be out right and saying it. It's mostly the Democratic Party, and not to say that yeah. the Republican Party hasn't done this too. And I have concerns there as well. Um, but like, there is just when the government saw the opportunity to take power from people, they have mm-hmm. taken it. Like I remember back in March, it was like, yeah, two weeks to sell the spread, and here we are, months later, right? And it's like. Yeah. There's obviously a, like you said, there's a, like a party that's more susceptible to this kind of t- tyranny. Not to say that the Republican Party isn't, um, but like we've been seeing this. And so like in our state, for instance, like we were under a complete lockdown. Our governor, who's a Democrat, by the way, like he wants to continue, like if he could right now, everything would be shut down, but he's, his power yeah. has kind of been checked and everything. So. What like 
um, I guess that kind of brings us to to this, right? Like specifically in the coronavirus yeah. thing, because it's like the, the more, I mean, that's what we're living with right now is the government saying, even if you wanted to, you cannot open your store or open your business or go to church without meeting these requirements. Yeah. Like what, what do you think? At what point do, do we like submit to that or, or do we kind of say, I, I don't, I don't think you have a say here. Yeah. So you know, I think that's a tough one. I, it, um, in terms of like meeting as a church, which mm-hmm. I, I think is the one that we should be principally concerned with, you know, yeah. um, with, with masks and things, we, we can talk about, about that too here too. But uh, with, with meeting, I think that's the one that we should incorporate as, as our highest priority. We need to, mm-hmm. in whatever way we can meet as people. I, I think it's... Um, it's a mandate. And uh, if we can, we should. Now, uh, I'm willing to, to, to say that you can make a reasonable argument that the government is trying to protect people by temporarily not allowing churches to meet. Now, I, I've, went, I've kind of wavered back and forth on that because yeah. um, you can take one path of knowledge if you only watch one source of news That'll tell you this isn't dangerous. There's nothing going on. This is, it's all a hoax, you know? So that's one rabbit hole you can go down. Um, and therefore you're not going to want to submit to a government that's making an unreasonable request to not meet. Um, though you can also take another rabbit hole though in knowledge that leads you all the way to, this is the apocalypse. This is the worst thing ever. We're all going to die if we get close, you know, so therefore we shouldn't meet as a church. Just we'll take a break. Um, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, But I I haven't seen any thus far in our country, any mandates to not meet for a very lengthy period of time. So so would you like, if, if the government in Nebraska today was to say, okay, starting next, this Sunday, like you cannot meet as a church because of where we are with the coronavirus. Do you think that churches should submit to that? I think so. If, uh, if they, um, now I'm not, I'm not sure what it, the reasonable definition for a, a length of time would be, mm-hmm. uh, but as long as they're forthcoming with, the progress with which they have been, you know, how, however trustworthy the, the data is, they're pretty forthcoming with it in our state. So if we can watch that and we can tell by what standard they're judging the severity of this, then we should be able to expect it to open back up um, after a period of time. So I think the church, I think church is, can be patient with that. Um, yeah. and, and there's ways I, I think we can make it work, but yeah. I, I think we found our first disagreement. Nice. <laughs> yes. I'm happy. It worked out. <laughs> <laughs> See, because I, I don't think I don't think that the government has a say. Like, even if it was sure. like it's only for one Sunday, like mm-hmm. it's only this next coming Sunday, you can't have church because of X, Y, and Z reason. Yeah. I would say, you know, that's not your prerogative. Like that's not your place to say how we how when how or how many people can worship God at a given moment in time, because that's not the government's role. 
because the government's role is to to bring justice on the evildoer and like you like we read before right like uh give approval to that which is good yeah it's not to govern the worship of the church but i think it is a mandate uh, of the government to protect people too. yeah and so if if that's their reasoning um i think that can be a legitimate reason so it, even if you looked in in uh um ancient Israel, like Mosaic law, Mm -hmm. there was the ability of the government to take possession of your house. If if there's something, some mold or whatever they call it growing on the wall of your house, they could seize your house and and tear it down. Now that's not their right. You know, I think it's, it is implied in, in scripture that there is such a thing as personal property. So why is it that the government can take your house? You know, because I think they bear a moral responsibility from God to protect their people. So if, and this is a big if, if we can't prove that they're not trying to do that, let me, let me rephrase that. So, so if, if it looks like they're actually trying to protect people, even if mm-hmm. they're maybe wrong about the science, wrong about the method, um, I think we should honor that at least, we, at least to some degree. Okay. See that because where I, I disagree is that, with at least in the old testament like they're actually seeing like okay when you go into this house it's i think it's like they scrape it off or whatever and then if it grows back you do it again and then if it grows back then you got to tear down the whole wall yeah like but there's something there like you can actually (laughs) see it right like there's there's a disease there like even with like the lepers right it's like if you if they have a a spot on their skin right? Like you're supposed to do yep. something and then check you it. You like cut it open and yeah. yeah. You like check it. If it comes back, then you do something else, but it's like, you can see it. Like it's there with the coronavirus. It's kind of like, even if you don't have it, cause it would be different yeah. for me if it was like, okay, if this, if we can acknowledge this person is sick, they should stay home. And I would agree with that. If you're sick, yes. stay home. Right. But it's like, we're just going to treat everybody as if they were lepers. Right. And I, I agree with you there that I believe this is not at all a biblical definition of quarantine. Yeah. You know, I think you quarantine people who are sick, like you're right, or yeah. or people who are at severe risk should should isolate. Yeah. Um, I think that's right, um, and that is not what we've seen pulled on a worldwide level. No. So there, there's something to that now. If you have a government official who is deceived in one way or another, do you still honor his, his attempt to protect his people? In, so if, in he, a, if he feels that this yeah. is what is in the best interest of his people, do we honor that? I mean, in as much as it, first of all, I mean, lines up with what scripture gives the government um, power to do. And then mm-hmm. secondly, like we live in a, we're, we're supposed to live, I should say, in a nation of, <laughs> that has a constitution and we have laws that are supposed to protect us <laughs> or <Yeah>. like <laughs> acknowledge that we have rights that the government's supposed to protect. Yeah. I, I mean, from a biblical standpoint, if the government said you have to shut down your church, I would be like, no. And then like, even from a legal standpoint, I can't like the first amendment is very clear. Like the government can't infringe or cannot infringe upon your right to peaceably 
gather and to practice your religion. Like freely doing assemble. Right yeah, yeah. Free, free, freely assemble, freedom of religion. I, and, yeah. and, and I get that too. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess... I guess it's something as a church we need to. Yeah, I, I mean, with with the whole thing when when uh, gay marriage became a, a big deal for the churches, mm-hmm. suddenly every church and, and thing is like, how do we address this? How do we? And so many of them have some sort of addendum um, for their church, basically stating that you know we have to stand firm in this as a church. Um, yeah. I think very shortly, if not already, in many churches. We're going to have some sort of addendum to the right to meet in some some form or another. Um, so, but back to your point, I, I think I, I, I think people get pretty antsy to cry foul on on stealing liberties of, of mm-hmm. personal liberties and, and church liberties. Do I have an inkling and? Uh, a tickling in my ear that that's coming. Yes. But I, I feel before I, um, before I damage that, well, and I don't know if this would even damage the testimony of yeah. the church, but depending on how we handle it, maybe it could. Yeah. Um, bef- before I would do that in, in a church, I think I would need something more blatant. Um, okay. in, in some levels, I think it was pretty blatant. Like in in Nevada and California, they were um, saying churches can't meet, but they're saying casinos can open. Um, I would disobey that. Yeah, I would. I would. I would. <laughs> church. Yeah. Or are there's protests not being stopped uh, yeah. in the streets and people gathering together? I'd go to church. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I would. Too. Those, those are <laughs> if if Love there's you. any contradiction, yeah. Yeah. Let me let me put it a little bit differently and sure like a different so on the same lines right like what if the government said right you you have a wife and, and daughter you have a family as yep. do i right and let's say they they were like okay in order to protect life we're going to have to split up families husbands are going to be over in this area and then the wives and children can stay home because the husband let's say like you and Let's say me, right? For instance, because I, I go to work, my my wife stays home. I don't know if your wife does as well, yeah. um, right? So so our wives stay home, and they're like, okay, because your husbands go out and then come back in, we're gonna keep them in a separate place, and yeah. you guys will stay home in order to protect you. Would you submit to that? Mm. That's a good way to put it. And um, hmm. There, there would have to be a really, really reasonable argument for for me to buy that. One, because if it was for the reason of infection, um, mm-hmm. I have no problem giving the infection to my whole family. I, I, I don't. <laughs> we're we are one, you know. Yeah, we share. We go share the COVID. <laughs> yeah, we share everything, so it's fine. If I get it, my family's yeah. getting it, and if oh, yeah. people find that unloving, but I bear responsibility for the health of my family, you know? So, so for that, I don't know that you can make a reasonable argument for doing that. Okay. So for for my mind, but for a church, um, you're a family. Yeah. We are different households. Yeah. So, so what if, yeah, no, I get what you're saying, but let's take like the, I, I think the principle applies, right? It's like, sure. Okay. 
you as a father, as a husband, like you have, you're the head of your household and you, yeah. God has given you this authority, right? Mm-hmm. The, the elders or the pastors at a church have been given this authority by God. Yep. And like, like you said, right? Like the elders, if they see like, okay, this is our responsibility or God given responsibilities to lead his flock in, in, in worshiping him. And we are willing to take upon this risk. And if, and, and it's not like we're going to force people to come to church, but those that are willing sure. to, and are, are um, okay with taking that risk of mm-hmm. getting whatever virus or, or even getting arrested because the government's going to come in and shut them down. Sure. Like we're going to, because we want to be faithful to God, just like you would say, right. I want to be faithful yeah. to God and I'm going to protect my family. I'm not going to split off from them. And because, because of that, we're going to disregard what the government says, hmm. even, even if it's illegal. Sure. I, I think, I think maybe in, in faith, the spirit can work in, in churches and, uh, and that would be the right thing for their congregation. You know, I, yeah. I think it's something we have to work out. Um, I saw recently somebody talking about Romans 13, as many are, are preaching on right now. And re- referenced that maybe this whole Romans 13 issue um, with, with certain aspects of it, we should also continue reading into Romans 14, which is where we, we work things out in our faith. And there's a weaker brother and there's a stronger brother, um, but you don't put stumbling blocks in front of one another. Um, so so if, if there's a church where, man, their, their body is hurting or they, they really, you know, desperately, they, they don't want to have any incontinuity in their meetings um, and they're all willing to forsake life and limb for that each Sunday, willing to go to jail for it each Sunday, um, meet, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think, hey, if you're, if you're in unity in that and it's for the glory of God, I wouldn't stop that. Now, and maybe that's the maturity of, of many churches I've been a part of that, that aren't there. So, so many people um, are growing. Many people are maybe early in their faith. There, there's certainly some in all of our churches that aren't even Christian. Yeah. So that that is sort of a different thing. So what what happens then if if there's people who are very young in their belief, and we're like as leaders and elders of a church, um, saying we need to come to church, we may get arrested, we may die. Um, what what does that do to the young believers? Uh, I don't know that they would come. <laughs> you know, and not that we need to uh, appeal to the the weakest in our congregation, but if we are honest, many many of the congregations um, in, in a lot of the churches are full of people like that. Mm-hmm. If you have a very mature body, if you have a very um, gung ho and zealous group of people that are are uh, so fervent in in their um, understanding of the word and, and the understanding of what the purpose of the church is as an assembly, then, then maybe they should get together. I, I mean, the counter argument to that, I would say is yeah. like, I mean, what a wonderful time to teach these younger believers. Like, you know, this is how important yeah. it is for us to come together as a church. And like you said, I don't think, I think we have to be wise about everything right even even before the the coronavirus and um still be wise like even if someone had the flu back in yeah. 2019 I'd, i would probably tell them don't come to church if you have the flu yeah. 
<laughs> just because <laughs> we're probably yeah. not the best idea. But I, I mean, I see it as a learning opportunity. And as yeah. like, this is how important it is for us to come together as a church. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I see it as a learning opportunity, but I, I think I, that's true. But I don't think f- for teaching purposes that we push them off the cliff. I think we guide them down patiently. So this, this, this is trial run. Like, I think mm-hmm. we all know it, that this is a trial run of things to come. Um, and so this is where we talk about Romans 13. This yeah. is where we talk about civil disobedience. This is where we talk about these things. And those who are willing to go and endure this um, will keep coming to church. And I think you're right. If persecution comes, uh, there will be Christians meeting, you know? Yeah. So it'll get there. Yeah. So, so where would you say, like, where's your line in the sand where you're like, mm-hmm. no matter what, I don't care what the government tells me, to, like, if the government tells me to do this, I will not do it no matter what. Yeah. So, I've thought about that a lot. And, and obviously, with, with the COVID stuff, everybody's eyes are on COVID. Everybody's mm-hmm. staring the virus right in the eyes and like, all right, where is the line in this virus? Well, I think... Personally, I think there's another storm coming, and yeah. I, I think it's I think it's Satan's greatest trick, where it's a sleight of hand. It's like, oh, look, look here, and then the left jab comes, and um, the the church is blindsided. So I think COVID is a huge distraction where everybody's talking about civil disobedience here, and where my line in the sand is is uh, is in relation to asking a Christian to sin. Um, and I think that's coming from a political angle and okay. it's in relation to like critical race theory and social justice and, and things like that, that are going to be pressured on the church, I think soon. Yeah. Um, and that's just going to sweep, you know, kind of cut us from the behind. And, and I think that's where a lot of the lines will be for civil disobedience for the church. No, I'm personally. with you. Yeah, no, I think I, I actually wholly agree with you on that. Like, I mean, you can see it coming. Like, this is one of yeah. those things where it's, it's, I don't think it's going to be so much like, okay, you can't go to church per se. There is, right. I think it's going to be more of a, like a, you can't you say this. Yeah. You can't say, yeah, this is hate speech. And so we're going to go after yeah. you because you say this and yeah, it's going to get tough. It's going to get really yeah. tough. Like yeah. I'm with you on that. I think. I think that's where we're headed. So like, what do you think? Sure. Cause you mentioned it, right? Like civil disobedience. What does that look like? Like what, how do you fight this stuff? What are you, what yeah. are you thinking of doing if, if this actually happens? That's kind of, we're kind of letting the, the playbook <laughs> <laughs> open. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think um, it's good to have a game plan. I, I, yeah. uh, I've been talking about it with people and, and just mm-hmm. like, all right, well, if we're asked to do this, we can't do this. So what do we do? You know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think the best way in leadership, you have to be talking in advance about as many of these issues as you can and just be, you need to be in unity in it. So that some of these issues, especially like the, the critical race theory, the social justice and all of these things, they are tough topics with all sorts of words that have been twisted and misdefined over time. And it's just, it's hard to wrap pe- people's head around it. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it takes time for even elders and pastoral staff who are not familiar with the, the terms to get in unity. That's I think step number one. 
Um, and then you do need to draw specific lines in the sand. And I think as soon as it's commanding um, the, uh, the preaching pastor, the, the lead pastor to stop preaching the word, let's say, let's say that the preacher is dead set on just going through books of the Bible and he gets to Romans, you know, or, you know, or Leviticus or, or, or something yeah. like that. Um, it, it's his duty. He, he needs to go through that. He needs to go straight through that book. And if, you know, someone's sitting in there and rings the bell, calls somebody up and cries foul, um, the church needs to be in unity and prepared to say like, sorry, you know, who, who do I obey God or man? Yeah. So to me, that's an obvious one. The other one that I think may come is in relation to like marriages and church and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't look, that's it kind doesn't, of already coming. Yeah, no, it doesn't look, it doesn't look too bright here in the future. So like, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think we, we were talking beforehand. I don't know if we record this is, is in the recording or not but like i'm more of a person that's willing to to set five figuratively speaking <laughs> more willing to than than maybe most to kind of sure. to set fires <laughs> fiery personality mean, yeah i i don't wouldn't say that but like <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe my i guess my line is a little bit further back Sure. where you are but I, I would say that what you're saying I, I stand with you on that um i i feel like we are already at a point where we have like crossed that line i mean if you think about the things that happening sure. are happening in this country now and i think that are going to happen like i th i think you're right on a track hopefully we're wrong about this yeah that would be great <laughs> <laughs> but like i feel like we're already there with this whole coronavirus thing, with the laws that, that govern our country are so unjust, the things that we allow to happen in our country, abortion yeah. being the main thing that comes mm. to mind for me is like, mm -hmm. wow, we have blood on our hands. Yeah. Like as bad as this coronavirus lockdown and tyranny is, it's not as bad as our government looking the other way as babies are being murdered and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, what, like, how do we fight this stuff? You know, how do we, like, yeah, I think pastors should just need to preach the word. We need to preach the yeah. gospel. We need to, to just go through what the Bible says. But like, ap apart from that, or in addition to that, like I said, I'm more of a fiery, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to use that word, but like, I think, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm also trying to wrestle with this too, right? And like, how do we do this in a Christian way? Yeah, but like in a way that also demonstrates like this is real and this is very serious and we will not stand for this. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm willing to protest. I know most people would be like, okay, that's an okay thing way of of doing things. What would you say? Like, what is in addition to just like preaching the gospel and and preaching the word, which needs to happen? Are there other steps that yeah that, that people should take? I think you kind of harped on it there too. I, I think a really important thing is we need to have a lot of conversations like this mm -hmm. with people who maybe we normally wouldn't. Um, it, it, I, 
one, one of the biggest tricks I think against the church is to, to just distract people from having serious conversations. And I can't tell you how many times in my life um, being with friends and, and, and all, all sorts of people in my life and where the conversation is totally quenched by these little glowing rectangles that we're all holding. Um, <laughs> and, and they totally, you just can't ever get to a serious topic. You just, yeah. people are finding little memes to laugh about. And meanwhile, those little glowing rectangles are also um, indoctrinating us in one direction or the other. And, and that is the first thing I think that needs to be quenched for the church to be heard um, is, is, to, is for families to talk to one another about these things, for churches to talk amongst the body, have these little small groups, little Bible studies, or not even Bible studies, but like lecture meetings. All right. What is this yeah. critical theory? What is this um, pandemic response? What, what are these things? Um, it just needs to be happening more. I and personally, I think that stuff is it takes time, it takes patience, it takes a lot of effort, and therefore, I think it's a better solution than um, burning something down. Yeah. <laughs> in my, yeah. my opinion, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know you don't mean that literally, yeah. but but like there, there's a lot of people who are who are quick to take an activist route um, mm. because that's quick. You know, uh, but if you look on the opposing side, especially politically opposing side, so like a, a far left side or something like that, that's the same routine where they, instead of doing hard conversations, instead of being patient and, and working through things and trying to find truth, you take it to the streets and, and burn things and, and yeah. stuff like that. So I, I think the church needs to be patient, um, but they need to be working. You know, we yeah. can't, what, what I, I, there is a Martin Luther quote that I, I saw recently and um, he was basically calling out a church in Germany for talking too much. So there, there's this angle too. Yeah. So if, if you're having, if you're treading water in conversation, um, it's not doing any good. So if, if we can, we can see so many examples of this in our, in our evangelical world where there's people who are just, well, I can see both sides, you know, and well, you know, we can't really say this is right. And this is wrong. Um, that does nobody any good. Yeah. Um, you need to work it out in your faith. If you're not doing it in faith, it's sin. And, and I think churches who are wishy-washy and can't land somewhere need to read their Bible harder and pray about it and, 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 and figure it out. So the, these conversations as a church, these conversations as a family are not to just realize that truth is subjective and no, none of us can land anywhere. It, it's to land firmly on what is real objective truth given to us from the spirit of God. So I, I think in order for Amen. conversations to be the work that they should be, there needs to be a result, you know? Yeah. No, preach it, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. But is there, do you think, and, cause this is where I'm trying to work out, right? Like I'm, yeah. I'm like, I agree with everything you said right there, right? We got to have these conversations and yeah. partly this is why we, we have this podcast, right? It's to have these conversations, even when we disagree with people, because this is important, uh, like go out, preach the gospel, 
be faithful in our churches, be faithful in our houses, be faithful in our communities. But do you think that there's and, and be patient as well? Because I think it's a long yeah. game. Like I think Jesus wins in the end. Yeah. Right. Like he's yeah. king. And, and <laughs> yeah. like Jesus is king, no matter what. He's king. Yeah. And he's sovereign. And and obviously we go we we have a long view, we have patience. Mm-hmm. Is there a point though where like we kind of we move into I'm just going to say it, right? Like, is there a point where maybe something like violence is, is warranted? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. I, no? I, and here's why I, okay. So you, you can point to different, uh, points. In so, so violence, do you mean as, uh, as the aggressors or as defenders? No. So where I'm at, where I'm at right now, and this is something that I've been honestly trying to work through. Sure. Like, I'm like, yeah, if I'm, I'm willing to be a, I think in, in defense, like if, for instance, if the government wants to say, we're going to separate you from your family because of th- this yeah. virus, I would, I would be like, no, you're not. <laughs> and if you're trying to, if you try to get into my house, I'm not going to let you in. Let's just say yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and I don't say that I don't want that. And I don't, I don't, I'm not a violent person. I don't want. I don't want that. Like I, I want to live a peaceful life. But sure. if if it comes down to no, we're going to remove you from your family. Mm-hmm. I, that's not going to happen. Like mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I, I I think that's that's where I, I mean more by it. But then I also think about things like what's going on with at, at abortion mills every day, right? Like babies yeah. are being murdered, and it's like, and, and I've had conversations with people about this. And I want to make a disclaimer. I am not advocating for violence. I am not. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Cause we no. might get flagged for this or something, but like, sure. yeah. I don't want, it's like, is there a point where we just, we just, we say, no, we can't just let this happen. Like I can't just let, if I see my neighbor being, uh, being arrest, arrested or something for, being separated from their family for something that they didn't do. Do I just stand back and do nothing? And if enough of my neighbors are like, is there a point where we just say, no, we're going to fight Hmm. against this. That's, I I, I don't know. (laughs) You can point, you can point to a lot of like members of our church history who have Mm -hmm. agreed with sentiments leading, leading to violence and things like that. Um, But I think we should also be looking to the head of our church um, as the prime example of someone who is accused for something that he did not do and was killed. Mm-hmm. Now he was resurrected, um, but he was willing to pay the ultimate price for, for being totally uh, being accused of, of things he did not do being claimed false being. Pre- so I, I think one thing we have to be sure of is that we don't have any legitimate things that we can be called out for by um, unbelievers. Mm-hmm. So, boy, it, it is hard. You have to do with theological wraparounds and things to justify any kind of violence. And, and Even I like, just don't, if it's self-defense or, or yeah. rather defense of someone else, um, more importantly, um, I think that even reasonable unbelievers can, can see mm-hmm. the validity in that. So I think that it is okay. Um, defense of others 
seems like a biblical thing to me. Um, anything beyond that, I, I don't think would help our testimony as Christians. I think that would even turn people more vehemently against the church. Um, and maybe that's what purifies us, but I don't think I'm going to be a part of that church who's, who starts that movement. Yeah. Um, I understand the passion behind it though. Like mm-hmm. I do not, I, I mean, I read like some of the Psalms and I'm like, brother, I am with you. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like, like some of those are like, oh, they should have some disclaimers at the front. <laughs> yes, but David bore the sword. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't. So, uh, if it were coming from a military standpoint, I would have a different view for myself if I was in the military. Um, if I was part of the sort of capital punishment here in in the United States, I would have a different view or even the judges that did that, I might have a different view too. But as it is, I don't bear the sword. So, you know, at at least that's where I stand with it. But I I understand like people are, there's literally a genocide going on quietly in our country. And um, people are sick of it. People are, are, are frustrated, and, but people also don't know how to convince people on the opposing side that it's happening. So the, when, you, when uh, arguments end, dogmatism begins. So I, I think that's sometimes the fir- happens. So if, if people just don't know how to talk anymore, mm-hmm. they, they move to action. Um, but... I could be wrong about that too, but I just can't see any like New Testament evidence of like that being the trajectory for us. Okay. So but maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I was going to say maybe not so much like storming an abortion mill. I, I don't think, <laughs> I, I don't know, dude. I, I, I'm honestly like, I'm thinking through this. I'm like, I don't know. Because if it was a, if it was a Nazi concentration camp, hmm. what would we do? Like, would we just, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, yeah. that's, that's my thought. But like, what do you think about people that, because this has happened, that would like chain themselves to the doors or block the doors so that business wouldn't go on as, as, as usual? Mm-hmm. And technically that's illegal because it's private property. It's a private business. They're trespassing. Yeah. They're prohibiting people from coming in and out. Like, what would you say to that? Like about that? Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm not going to stand in, in between where yeah. a person like that and God. So mm-hmm. ultimately they're going to be held accountable for what they've done. And okay. of course I am too. So if, but I think that needs to be worked out in faith. So if they have any um, insecurities about a choice like that, let's say yeah. they did it, they got arrested and they're getting judged for it. If there is any bit of insecurity after having done that, then it may have been sent, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the civil disobedience there, um, may have been done in vain because they were doing it for the publicity or they were doing it because they like getting riled up and they like conflict or, or something like that. Um, that wouldn't be doing it in faith. Um, at least where my faith is currently, it wouldn't lead me to do that. So okay. I have to obey that and I have to obey conscience. Um, but I'll appeal to Romans 14. Okay. Fair <laughs> so enough. Be the fifth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we still can, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, 
man, I, honestly, I like I I think about this stuff all the time. I because of how the world that we're living in, and like, mm. I I don't know, we're we're still relatively young, right? Yeah. And like, if the Lord wills, we'll be alive for many years to come. Mm. And it's like, what's going to happen ten years from now, right? Like. Yeah. What are we going to be doing? And how are we going to, because if we follow the trajectory that we're going on right now, like it's going to get bad. And yeah. how do we, like, what do we do? Do we just, hmm. I don't, I like. So I, I think you're harping on maybe another thing that's really important for Christians to have figured out, which is how does this all end? You know? So I think one thing that drives um, different types of theologies is, mm-hmm. Um, eschatology. So, theology of the end of the world, our prophecy of Revelation and Daniel and Isaiah and and Ezekiel and all all these books. Um, There is a pretty popular view in some circles that we are ushering in um, the kingdom, as in like the thousand-year reign of Christ is going to become because the church will fulfill the mandate and turn the world essentially Christian. Mm-hmm. If that's your view, I think, at least personally, I think that leads you to be an optimist about the trajectory. So yeah, we're heading downwards, but we're destined to head back upwards. So we need to get on it. Yeah. You know? Um, and there's another view, which is what I am. I'm, I'm pre-millennial, mm-hmm. um, which means I, I think first comes judgment then Christ comes and will bring the, the thousand year reign so that it doesn't leave me like, all right, well, we'll sit back and, and do nothing. But I, I do think that um, to some degree, this trajectory is given by God. So, yeah. so the church should bear it and, and we should of course work against it when we can. Um, but I think there's a way to damage the testimony of the church and even cause more harm, faster harm by trying to bear the load on your own shoulders mm-hmm. as a church. That's my view. I could yeah. be wrong. But. No, I, so I'm, I'm leaning more towards the optimist side. I, I wouldn't say wholeheartedly I'm post-millennial. I think I'm leaning that way, but if Caleb, mm-hmm. Caleb is, is getting some things ready. So that's why he's not able to, he's not piping in right now, but if he was, yeah. If he was still here, he would definitely he would have a lot to say about okay, <laughs> about yeah. eschatology. He's definitely a uh, very strong post millennialist. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Oh, that that could be a fun convo. That would be yeah, that would be good. Yeah. But I, I'm 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 leaning more towards the optimist side of things. Sure. Like I, and that's why that's I think we would both agree, right? Like we got to go out, we got to preach the gospel, we got to do these things. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 uh, I don't know. I think in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. like this is a little blip, right? Like it's a, yeah. it's kind of, like, it's like our sanctification, right? Like there mm-hmm. it's the, the line is, is moving upward. The trajectory is upward, but there are moments in time when we stagnate. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a roller, co- roller coaster yeah. that always goes up, right? <laughs> it's yeah, like taking, yeah. a, taking steps, right? You, you go sure. up and I think that's the, I'm leaning more that way. I just said, I think that's where we are now. I mean, I think we look at the trajectory of history. So like maybe in American history, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is might be the last 
decade. It might be the last year of, of America as we know it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It really could be, right? <laughs> you know? And I, I think like my you know, grandparents' generation would say like, oh, that's long gone already. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. I So, that brings up another good point. Yeah. I Because I think back to like our forefathers in, in America, right? Like the Fani fathers, the people that started the revolution against the, the British and yeah. their, their reaction to a much less tyrannical government in comparison to what we're dealing with today hmm. was, was a lot greater. And yet a lot of them were Christians and they were known in England as the black robe battalion, right? Cause the preachers would preach about the injustices being done by the government and then they sure. pick up their muskets and go fight. Yeah. Uh, what do you, this might be a little, another little rabbit trail kind of, this yeah. conversation is going all over the place. Like but yeah. Yeah. What do you think about, what do you think about that? Like, but the American revolution and, hmm. and how they fought and the reasons why they fought. Yeah. Um, I don't know that the, all the reasons behind the American revolution were solely Christian. Um, I know that some founding fathers were, and many of them at least had a fear of God, as in they're willing to acknowledge that there, there might be a deity um, yeah. like Locke and Jefferson and, and some of those guys who are there like, well, let's not say God-given, let's say, um, um, uh, whatever the words are for life. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> intrinsically valuable <laughs> life. Yeah. Like, um, so I don't know that that came from a, a purely Christian sentiment. Um, cause I think to get to that point, you have to ignore that you, um, that you're, you're trying to be peaceable. I, I think Christians stand firm, but they, that doesn't mean they stand firm, scream, holler and yell. So yeah. I, I, like, like Daniel in, in, when he's doing his civil disobedience, he wasn't now he was standing in a window or, or, or kneeling in a window and praying yeah. so that everybody could see him. Yeah. Um, that's obvious. That's bold. Um, and he was obedient, but he wasn't screaming out. His, well, maybe he was, maybe I'm wrong. He's like <laughs> maybe he was praying. <laughs> Dear Lord. You know, yeah. who knows? <laughs> But that's not how I read it. So that's where I'm at. Hey, it could be. Next time you read yeah. that passage, you got to screen read it. <laughs> totally changed my view right there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and likewise, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like, like they, uh, they stood, they stood boldly, they stood mm-hmm. proudly in God, not in themselves. Um, but they weren't rude and they weren't, I, I think, but what can be seen in that type of integrity is, is still the humility um, from God. So we, we need to be able to stand integrity and truth and still be blameless in the eyes of, of the accusers. So they can't point a finger and said, look what you did. And I think acting certain ways can be enough. Like our current president or Donald Trump, um, it, it, when, when he speaks in this way, people just instantly judge him based on the way he says things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a married man, so I know it's possible to be right. 
about something and still be very wrong. And what I mean by that is I can be totally right about the principle or the point that I'm driving, but if I say it ungently, unkindly, unlovingly, mm-hmm. um, I'm wrong, not about the principle, but in the way that I, I spoke it. And, and so, I think Christians need to be blameless in that. And so, that, that's a hard mandate because like these are our, our accusers, are the people who are opposing the truth, are unrelenting and super loud. They are the loudest voices. But could you imagine like someone standing up to it calmly and, and just boldly declaring the truth, but not getting all angsty? Um, what, what brings to mind is like some of these like political pundits, like people that got real famous in the conservative side, like, like Ben Shapiro and like Jordan Peterson and people yeah. like that. And, um, they, I think they had an amazing ability to kind of talk and, and communicate these ideologies from the conservative side. Um, but they would also really easily get riled up about stuff. And that would instantly, I think, disqualify their statements to people. People just shut their ears when, when they don't see gentleness or kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, but people open their ears when they see boldness and humility. So I, I think that's the best testimony for the church. And I, I feel like I got off topic a little bit, but that, that's what no, I feel. That, yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think that, that uh, as Christians, like we have, we have the truth. And so we, we have to go boldly yeah. proclaim the truth. Boldly. Yeah. Um, and, but we have to like, and I'm sure, I'm sure you would agree with this, right? Like, keep in mind, like, what does it mean, biblically speaking, to be humble and to be kind, to be biblical, to be loving, right? Like, yeah. because, because just, just standing up and preaching the gospel to people, yeah. as nice as, as nicely as you may put it, as nice as you, as you may say things. Yeah, many people in our current climate would they would see it yeah. as hate speech, and mm-hmm. you're you're the worst kind of person for even yeah. saying that there is such a thing as sin, and that people are sinners and they need to repent, otherwise they will be judged by God for their sin. Like some people would see that as hate speech, just the fact that we would even say something like that. True. Yeah. And and yeah, we gotta speak it. We gotta we gotta say, or we gotta say. It. Like I think to to the example of the apostles right like they get up after jesus or peter right gets up and he basically says you people of jerusalem you're murderers you killed the only righteous man that ever lived you killed jesus the son of god and you need to repent Mm -hmm. and he i think knowing what we know about peter seeing his demeanor in, in the gospels and stuff like i'm sure he was very forceful and very or right right i mean as we read and yet that was what god wanted them to do and like when Mm -hmm. they got arrested they're like well we have to obey god rather than man even if you don't like what we're saying even if you think it's wrong like we just got to do it yeah and yeah i think there's a way to do that i think there's a way to hold to the integrity um especially when you are saying things um that are not your words but are god's Mm -hmm. um what, what they'll see there 
and, and we have to be aware of this too. So when we preach boldly, when we, we proclaim the word of God in public before unbelievers, um, there we don't preach to the most sensitive ears. So I, I should qualify that. I don't mm-hmm. think we need to appear loving to people who think that everything God is, is hate. It's not possible. And Paul says, I think in Romans 12, do your best to um, be um, viewed as good or however he phrases it by, by everyone so far as you can. Mm -hmm. So there is a limit. There's people that have everything flipped, turned upside down and are deceived. And there is no way to speak reasonably anymore. Uh, It's just, it's just not there until the spirit of God gets a hold of them in their life they won't hear it. So yeah. we don't preach. We, we don't preach worrying about that crowd. There will be hecklers. There will be accusers. Um, but we need to make sure that there's nothing that they can rightly accuse us for. And that's where I think we cover our face with a Bible. <laughs> Not actually, but, <laughs> but, but with our speech, keep it as biblical as you can. Cause yes. you know that the word of God is right. Um, I know that I tend to say overgeneralizations and you know what? I always say overgeneralizations, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it can get you in trouble when you start to riff and improv on the word of God and it just doesn't need that. Yeah. So I, I should, I, I agree with you totally like that. The gospel to the wrong ears is completely offensive. Um, and there's other passages in scripture to people who are um, looking for the wrong kind of liberty in their sin that will totally not hear um, certain passages in scripture if you were to proclaim them. So, but we don't, we don't preach with any concern about what those people think because we know what truth is. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I, and I think um the best way I've heard it said is, is that, you know, if you're doing something like that, like a public pronouncement of, of scripture, um, you'll probably have hecklers, but people see those hecklers. Let, let's say there's someone who's watching and listening, who is an unbeliever, but has a sense of morals and is just kind of searching for truth. Well, they're going to see you calmly and humbly professing the word of God in faith before a bunch of hecklers who are just angrily accusing you and wrongly. So they'll see that and that hopefully can guide them to what's true. You know? So I, I, I think that's, you know, boldness is important though. I, I think that people who waver like, Oh, we need to be kind and gentle and loving and then never say anything, never stand boldly, never stand in integrity on the truth. I'm not going to do much. So. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was another thing you said earlier, um, like yeah. the trajectory thing. Mm-hmm. I want to, can I, do you mind if I. Yeah. Back let's t- yeah. 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 So I like this. I, I think it'd be fun to talk about like eschatology stuff or something yeah. like that in the future. But, I think Caleb would be, could be, could be, would be a really good person to talk with that about. Nice. Yeah. 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 That'd, be, that'd be fun. I, um, but yeah, so I think there's kind of optimism and pessimism, but the way I view it, obviously we both have the same end result. Jesus wins. Um, mm-hmm. 
but I, I think we have a difference of when the arc starts going up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think personally, the, the church is the restrainer. So I, I don't know if you've seen, I think it's a verse in um, Second Thessalonians. And it talks about when the restrainer leaves. Okay. Now, it, the way I interpret that, and I think there's enough biblical evidence to, to view that as the Holy Spirit in the church. So, I would view that as the, the rapture, basically, okay. where, where believers are gone, and therefore, there's nothing to restrain evil. Now, so, to me, that has an influence on what I think the trajectory is or the purpose of the church. If it were the, if it, since it's called the restrainer, I think that slows evil. Um, but I don't think it would be called the restrainer. I think it would be called like the reverser or something, <laughs> you know, okay. if it were co- completely eradicated by itself. So that influences like kind of my trajectory. I would think it would look much like, or should, if the church is obedient, look much like Christ's ministry, where it's, you know, it starts really popular and it gets heavier. And, you know, like our sanctification, there's, you know, all sorts of arcs and things, but then it eventually leads to Christ being crucified Mm -hmm. and then victory. So I view that as the same trajectory church. So it would lead all the way down to persecution and rapture. Yeah. And then victory. So after judgment. Uh, Yeah. I always see it as like Jesus has already won the victory on the cross. He's seated at the right hand of the father. He's reigning. And uh, like, I think it's first Corinthians 15, right? Sure. Yeah. The last, like he's putting all of his enemies underneath his feet. And this is why this is a really important point to bring up too. I mean, it's all on the same topic, right? Like government, like I think it's Psalm 2, right? Where like um, all the, all the Kings of the earth are put under the feet of Jesus. Like he is King Mm -hmm. and he's putting all his enemies under his feet. But are they, are they there yet? You know, because I think I view that the same way as like, you know, like our salvation. I think mm-hmm. there's, there is the eternal sense, the justification. I think then there's sanctification. That's the journey. And then yeah. the end result is glorified. I, I'm not glorified yet. So I, I don't yeah. see the church's mission as done or, oh, or no, the it's not one yet. Oh, it, oh, Jesus, Jesus won. <laughs> well, Jesus won, but, yeah. but, but we're not glorified yet. The, yeah. the church hasn't been brought to judgment and then renewed yet so all of these things are yet to come uh, i think the victory has been declared but yeah 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 no but, G- but the bible says right jesus is, is king he's seated at the right hand yeah. of the father in heaven yeah. and he's putting all his enemies and i think unjust government yeah. are 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 the enemies of god i mean because and and sin he's putting all his enemies under his feet and the last enemy to be destroyed is death and, and yeah. then comes the end. I think yeah. that's what the Bible teaches. And honestly, yeah. Caleb would be the best to talk about this because you know <laughs> so much more about this. But like one of the points that that he has things that he has taught me, you know, is you know, talking about like the book of Revelation and it being yeah. talking about a period um before it was written before 70 AD that at the before the destruction of Jerusalem. 
Well, we would can you, agree to disagree on that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be, that, yeah, yeah. I think that would be the difference, <laughs> right? And it's like talking about, speaking of government, right? It's talking about yeah. this, the government, the, the Roman government and the Jewish people yeah. that, that betrayed Jesus and, 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 and that are persecuting the church, the Roman government. Yes. And Jesus is going to, it's a letter to those churches to be encouraged because Jesus is coming to bring judgment and to destroy the enemies of the church at that time yeah so that's That'd i would love it. to talk to him about that because oh, yeah, that's a pretty hard <laughs> argument i think it's a pretty hard argument to 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 make and i don't think you can read both of the thessalonians and still come with that answer but i i've heard it a lot it, they call it preterism or partial preterism, partial preterism or something yep. like that. Yeah. yeah yeah and uh I'm not there. I, 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 first of all, I just don't think it was written before 70. And I think it's possible that Peter was writing after 70. So, you know, it, it, not, not confirmed, but okay. you know, it's possible. It's, possible. <laughs> it's like Twitter. It's like this claim is being disputed. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Do you have anything else that you wanted to want to want to say before we kind of wrap things up? Um, I would go on for hours, but <laughs> yeah. no, this is yeah. good. We're, we're, Dan, we're going to have you back. I say that Do about it, everybody, yeah. <laughs> but no, we gotta, we gotta have you back. And I, we gotta, I'll be a fly on the wall. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be a fun one though. <laughs> eschatology. That would be good. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I think we, we, we covered a lot of different things. That's for sure. Yeah. We didn't know where this conversation was going to go. <laughs> Which is great. I like it. Yeah. No, it sounds good. I, I want to read now that it came to my mind. Yeah. Just to kind of end, end things um, from Psalm, uh, Psalm chapter two, from the Psalms, Psalm chapter two, it says, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens last, the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. <laughs> Amen. That's good. And I, yeah, I think that's all we got to say to our government. And <laughs> <laughs> Jesus is king. That's right. We talked about a lot of different things. Still thinking this, all this. Romans yeah. 13, how do we submit to the government? What point it is? Hopefully this has been a a uh, a good conversation to listening on and kind of get things going. I don't think I personally I know I don't have all the answers, but Same. it's yeah. it's good to think think this these things through. Um but before we go, Dan, I have yeah. one last question for you. Mm -hmm. And this is honestly like the most important question of the night, so no pressure. And and by the way, there's only one right answer oh, no. to this question. And this is yeah. <laughs> um, and this is one of the things that Caleb and I disagree on. But there's like I said, there's only one right answer. And yeah. that, that's that's the side that I'm on. 
So, which is better, Chipotle or Qdoba? Ooh. And I'll put you on the spot. Wow. This, okay. This is a very important issue that we, we, we may disagree on this. I, is, I, don't, I don't really know where you stand, but you may view me as a trader. So I started out for many years a Chipotle only man. Oh. I was a Chipotle only man. Oh, no. I think I thought I would always get the steak though. And I think they changed their steak. And so I started going to Qdoba in Janesville. And they also had queso. And I was. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. They got me with the queso. I, you know, oh. <laughs> I would still go to both. We were but, going so well up until. Uh, you know, <laughs> we should have done the, the podcast on that. Yeah, no. Yeah. That, I don't know. That's, that's a pretty heated argument. I don't know yeah. if, if we would have made it through the whole time, the whole conversation. <laughs> that's all good. That's, yeah. that's. That's what Caleb thinks too, but this I mean, church unity right here, you can tell. You can, you yeah, can I mean, I'll, uh, it's all good. You guys can still be wrong. That's that's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, man. But thank you so much again for coming on the podcast and, and having this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's yeah, great. man. I don't think we quite planned out a revolution. But <laughs> we, <laughs> it's in the works. So. Yeah, we, we we thought some things through. But again, man, thank you so much for taking the time and. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. If yeah. y'all are if y'all are still listening to this, um, let us know. Who do you disagree with? I mean, do you disagree with us? What do you guys think about all this? Um, just let us know. This is this is what we're here for. Disagree with me. Thank you, y'all. Peace. Peace.